Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from Obi-Wan Kenobi. Welcome to the Credible Nerds podcast with Mark and Justin. This is the podcast you're looking for. Don't go about your business. Stay here. Well, go about your business and listen. And then you can move along. Move along. And may the force be with you. Always. to the Credible Nerds Podcast. My name is Justin, and I have my fellow Mandalorians with me, Nathan and Blake. Welcome back, guys. It's good to have you back on the show. Hello. Hey, everybody. So it's been uh, three episodes up to this point, and we'll be covering Chapter 4 of The Mandalorian Season 1. It's called Sanctuary. And this is the first episode where we actually get to meet uh, Gina Carano's character, Cara Dune. And so she is new to this series, and uh, we'll get to know her a little bit as we go along and talk about it. But uh, so far, it's been mostly the Mandalorian and the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, up to this point. And we'll get into this new character that ends up playing a, a good role throughout the rest of the series, throughout the rest of this season. But first off, like I said, this is uh, chapter four. This episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who's of Ron Howard fame. It's his daughter. And uh, so this is her first episode that she directs in the series. The show was written by John Favreau and produced by John Favreau as well. And this is one of the the longer episodes, 39 minutes. And it was released on November 29th, 2019. So it's been a bit since we first watched it, over a year. But um, it's one of the, it's an episode that I enjoyed watching. Uh, So we'll get into what we liked and what we thought about it and kind of how it fits into the overall plot here in a minute. So uh, we, we start off by... It's it's interesting because we we actually start the episode by uh, we're introduced to a village and the people who live in the village first. So it's something we've never seen, a group of people we've never met before. So it's kind of a a different opening. But they're they're farmers. They live in the forest. They they harvest uh, this kind of it's called krill and it's blue, but it's kind of like a shrimp type fish i guess seafood but they're they're harvesting that and just living their life and these these raiders show up and just steal all their stuff and ruin their their village a little bit and then take off so that's the, the plots or the the foil of the of the show that we are introduced to right off the bat um so for you guys what did you think about this first, we're introduced to a new planet. It's called Sorgon. Uh, we're introduced to a new people, a new situation. What were your thoughts on on this new setting? Did you have any initial thoughts like, where's the Mandalorian? What's going on? You know, that sort of thing. What about for you, Nathan? Uh, you know, I mean, my first impressions were, you know, not nothing to, you know, it's just, just kind of like a, a, another a planet. I, I didn't see or think of anything too interesting uh, as the episode opened up um, and unfolded, you know, and it was, uh, you know, you could tell 
that it was uh, going to be an episode that was going to be kind of like a, a side quest or a um, storyline where we possibly get introduced or, and meet a new character. Um, but it uh, looked pretty primitive, you know. I didn't see anything uh, too extraordinary, at least on the onset of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, it reminded me of Endor and just kind of that whole mindset, the, you know, the natives living there and that sort of thing. Um, it was good to see a new planet. I That's one thing I enjoy about Star Wars is new planets, new characters. So this started off good. For you, Blake, any, any thoughts on this initial opening? What was going to happen from here? Um, no, I mean, like, like you, I, I thought it was... It, it felt like it was opening the story up a little bit. You know, you had a, a whole new village of people. Obviously, that was going to be the storyline. And and so it kind of, yeah, opened it up a little bit, brought a little bit more. You could tell there was going to be a little bit more like, uh, I don't know, humanity and, and things like that in this episode. So, yeah. you know, not other than that, nothing really, nothing really big. Yeah. Yeah, I like that humanity. Um, this the stories that we've been introduced so far, you know, are bounty hunters, people trying to kill each other, you know, all this danger and here. And then we had the Jawas a couple episodes ago that were terrorizing the Mandalorian and his ship. But this is, you know, peaceful. It's a bunch of people living together, just enjoying life. So that was, that was different for, from what we've seen so far in the show. But uh, we see we go back to the Mandalorian. He's he's left uh, the planet that he was on. He stole the child from from the from the Imperials, and he needs a place to hide out. So he comes to this planet. He lands his ship. He goes to the local village. He's kind of looking around, scoping it out. And this is when we first meet Cara Dune, and she's there. She's also hiding out. That's the impression I got anyway. Um, so she's there. And they end up sitting down next, you know, by her and they talk. And then there's this, um, there's a scuffle between them, you know, pretty much right off the bat where the Mandalorian and Cara Dune are kind of wrestling and they come to a draw. And this is where we get the infamous uh, shot of Baby Yoda sitting there watching them with his cup and he's drinking his little tea and just kind of, hey, what's going on here? So we get that shot. I'm sure you've seen the meme a hundred times. It's pretty funny. The t-shirt now. Yeah. <laughs> Is, was that Spotch, Spotchka? Is that what he was eating or drinking? I, I know the bartender offers that to yeah. him. Or some type of oatmeal or some type of meal. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, when he goes in, he's sitting at the bar, he's checking things out, he's talking to the restaurateur, and he asks for information. But he automatically picks up that Cara Dune is not is out of place right mm-hmm. he, he, and, and asks about her and he's like how long has she been here but he just arrived so she can't be there for him there's no way she would know that he would land there uh so yeah so at first you're kind of like well what is her story and why is she if she's there it can't be for him she's got to be hiding out herself um in one way or form yeah that's the impression i got that she was doing the same thing that he was just trying to lay low, get out of sight type thing. I did. 
I did like in the fight, you know, they're, they're like fighting to the death, ready to shoot each other. And then they get to the draw and they're like, Hey, let's go grab some food. Just once in life. I want to, I want to end a fight like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> battle to the death. And then we go grab some bachka. Yeah. So what did you think of Cara Dune in this? I mean, this is basically her, basically her intro and we're, we're meant, we're led to uh, certain assumptions about her. Um, what were those assumptions with, with you, Blake? Well, you know, I could, you could kind of tell, like you say, she, she's on this planet kind of hiding out or laying low or, or getting away from, you know, from her past. And so, you know, my first thought is she's maybe, she was maybe a, a soldier in the rebellion, something like that. And, and, uh, put, trying to put those days behind her and, and settle in. I think they even had a conversation for a minute where she said something along those lines, like, you know, this planet's taken. So, you know, hit the road, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. You know, and usually my, my, impression has always kind of been like when when a star wars character runs across someone that appears to be a, a fringe character it always seems like the history that those individuals have is that they were usually tied to the to the empire and not tied to their to the rebel alliance right mm -hmm. um and that's why they're in hiding and or escaping a particular life. So I was kind of surprised because usually people who are part of the, you know, the, the, the rebel Alliance, um, you know, they're usually pretty, they're kind of zealots. They're, they're kind of devoted. It seems like they would never ever leave. So it was surprise. I was kind of surprised to see a character that was worked for the good guys, so to speak, and then decided after the uh, empire fell that that she didn't want anything to do with that life anymore. And I think she's, I think in their meeting as they're eating or drinking, you know, she talks about how she was, she felt like the new job or new tasks that they gave her, she wasn't up for it. And so she bailed on them. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It, I hopefully we'll get into her backstory later on in the, in the show at some point, you know, where she was at and what she was doing and why she left. I think that's interesting and, and pertinent because if she's going to be a regular part of the show, I'm assuming she would team up with the Mandalorian and they'd work together. So, you know, so can he trust her and not, you know, like, is she going to bail on him? So I don't know. I think they'll bring it up. Even if it's just dialogue, I think they'll bring it up at some point. So, so Mandalorian's like, okay, I'll get out of here. He heads back to his ship. But then he's, um, these two two villagers from the village we saw early show up and ask him to help. And they, they're going to pay him. But he, he doesn't think he can do it himself. So he gets the idea to go back, get Cara Dune, and then hire her as well. And then they'll come help the village. So that's what they do. And, well, I do... I did like the, this, this episode, uh, there's some good things in it, but at the same time, it's a story we've seen plenty of times in other shows, you know, the, the outsiders come in to help the oppressed or the victimized natives. 
they defeat the bad guys and then they the, the problems solve so then they leave so this isn't like a new concept or as far as story goes is something we've seen like i said in other shows other series um but there was a spin on it and we'll get to that in just a second so i did at first i was like oh okay i kind of know what's how this is going to end it wasn't like a surprise as to what was going on but it was yeah. cool to see there are some positives it was cool to see the mandalorian and Cardoon work together they did a little recon they went out into the forest at night and found where these um raiders were living and kind of their situation and it was cool to see some more you know their organization and kind of what they do and i think they before they left this backtrack a little bit before they left they helped the villagers set up some traps and kind of get them ready and train them to somewhat fight against the raiders when they come next time so for you guys have you seen this story play out before what did you think was it did it stand out in any way or was it just the same old routine that we've seen plenty of times so so for me uh, yeah like our family were watching we're like oh this is the three amigos episode right <laughs> kind of waiting for el guapo to come out with uh, his sweater yeah. and uh wreak some havoc or something <laughs> but but yeah it, it was uh so the three I mean, it, it is it's that familiar the three amigos were uh cardoon mandalorian and the child yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> that's right um but yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's, it is, it's kind of one of those, like you say, it's, it's tried and true. It's that storyline that, that gives somebody a hesitant, uh, kind of anti-hero a chance to, to go and, and, uh, you know, I don't know, save everybody and, and, you know, soften up a little bit for the audience and everything. So yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was, I mean, it was fun. It had some, some good little scenes in it and, and, you know, like they're training the people. I remember there was one farmer who had the spear backwards and, <laughs> and they had to show him to use the, the sharp end of the spear. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, you know, it, it kind of served its purpose, right? It's, it's kind of in, in, in uh, chapter three, he, he softens up and goes back and saves the child. And, and this is kind of that, kind of served its purpose as that next step of the Mandalorian softening up and, and, you know, becoming more of, of who he's going to become, I guess, in, in the series. But, but yeah, it was, it was fun to watch a little, yeah. Like you say, predictable, you kind of knew what was going to happen, uh, uh, kind of step for step, but, uh, but still pretty fun to watch him do that. Yeah, I was a little disappointed just because of the the cliche plot, you know, the the two heroes helping the helpless villagers. Of course, they're farmers, right? It's always farmers yeah. and who have no and and it's like, you know, they're fighting with their pitchforks and their shovels and their rakes and you know, the classic line them up and have them shoot at a target. You know, I, how many Westerns and or war movies have we seen where they they take the 
they take the soldiers, the inept, inexperienced soldiers or inexperienced old farmers. And, you know, whether, I mean, whether it's, you know, an old Western, I, I mean, I think they, they even did it in the Lord of the Rings, right? At the Battle of Helm's Deep, they got all the boys and old men. And it's just kind of like, all right, here we go. You know, the, the classic uh, teach them how to fight kind of a thing. And there's always some super unique battle plan to, that'll give them the, the upper edge. And of course, it doesn't go to plan. And there's the, you know, some sort of heroic move at the end. So I, admittedly, I was kind of a little disappointed in the, what came to me is not a very original plot. But, you know, I, I was reading and, and John Favreau, he, he wrote this, this story. So, and I, I so, I mean, he writes great, you know, he writes incredibly great episodes and, and stories, as we know. So, but yeah, but I mean, it, it, it provided us an opportunity, uh, regardless of the plot, as you pointed out earlier, Justin, to kind of have uh, here, learn a little bit about the Mandalorian and kind of his, his history, maybe not so much specific details, but more of like, his 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 approach to the the, the Mandalorian life and uh, his dedication to it, and and of course we learn a little bit more about his his you know his feelings for the child as we still know him at this time as uh, as as the events unfold in the uh, in the episode. Um, my uh, you know my wife kind of felt the same way but her biggest issue was is like why they're there they appear to in the episode they appear to introduce a, a possible love interest mm -hmm. and she was kind of like what what's why why have there be a female character that kind of has a connection with him and almost you know and have that discussion and and, and the discussion that they have about his helmet and if he ever takes it off and, and even at one point towards the end, the scene where she almost tries to take it off. I mean, why go through all that? And I told her, well, I mean, it, it, it wasn't about the relationship. It was about creating an opportunity for us to learn a little bit more about his dedication to, to, to the, his, his way of life. And, uh, and uh, you know, as a writer, it's hard to write. I can't imagine it. How hard it is to write these things and, and not only you can't just you have to create scenes you have to create circumstances and situations so that the dialogue that you're having makes sense right so how can we create a scene to give the character in this case the mandalorian talk a little bit about himself and and his and his life mm -hmm. yeah you guys bring up some good points i think this tried and true cliche story that we've seen before is a vehicle for the Mandalorian for us to learn more about him, for us to see him soften up, like you said, Blake, and just we get to know the the character of the Mandalorian through this episode, and we're not distracted by these this plot because we already know the plot. So, you know, we're all interested in the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda and Car Cara Dune. That's what we're interested in. So we get to see 
those characters shine in a tried and true story that we've all seen before. So I hadn't really thought of it until you guys were talking about it that way. So I think that's probably why we have this episode because I'm sure John Favreau, um, he's probably seen this, this type of plot before many times. So why would he go with it? You know, why would he just regurgitate something? Uh, so I, I imagine that's one of the, the reasons anyway. Yeah, one thing was, that's interesting. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Blake. Oh, I, I was just going to say it was, you know, he, he, when he got there and, and they they saw the Imperial Walker or, or I, you know, found out that there was an Imperial Walker there. Um, that that was pretty interesting because when he, when he, first off, I was wondering, I wonder why there's an Imperial Walker here in this, you know, kind of remote planet. Um and uh, and then you know it was funny because the Mandalorian. I mean, he's been through some pretty crazy adventures, and he's like, he saw the Imperial Walker, and I think he said something to the villagers like, "All right, you got to move. <laughs> yeah. Just get out of here. <laughs> Bad news. You got to move." And uh, and I, I kept thinking about uh, Return of the Jedi and how like two Ewoks took down an Imperial Walker with a rope, yeah. just tripped him. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just thought, ah, that doesn't seem like that that big of a of a trial here. But yeah, that, uh, anyway, he did bring up some questions, like you know, why why is that there? Um, you know, why is there a bit of a a, a presence from you know uh, from the Empire or whatever there? So yeah, do they ever address that? Like, why? How did they get the Walker? Or even maybe they stole it and they brought it to their camp or whatever. But why are they there? Like what's, I mean, they could just move somewhere else or I don't know. Yeah. Just, it's weird. I, I was, I was going to touch on that, that very same topic. It's like, it's interesting that there is an ATST there and, and these raiders as they're referred to are in possession of it. They, I, I'm assuming that they're, that they're locals and they're, they, there was probably and, and no, they don't address it, but, you know, a thought could be is like, there must have been some sort of imperial outpost on that planet, probably small with a small amount of stormtroopers. But after the empire fell, you know, it was abandoned and, or, you know, taken over. And so these raiders went in and, and got this ATSD and, and are out now walking around with it. And they're like, Hey, um, so that that is kind of a there could be a little bit of a back interesting little you know factoid I guess so to speak because there probably was some sort of just imperial because it seems like as as the series continues especially into now the next season it seems like every planet has an empire or an imperial outpost on it hidden somewhere that someone you know what I mean yeah so yeah so yeah they find they. They, the twist is they find this ATSD, and they they end up running back and getting chased back to to the village, and the ATSD follows them. There's some great imagery with this ATSD. It's got like these red eyes, like the light inside the the cockpit there is red, so pretty menacing and scary looking. I'm sure the the villagers are freaking out seeing this thing coming out of the woods and shooting laser fire at them so 
pretty cool moment there. We get to see an ATST in action. Uh, but they the traps they set up would be that the ATST would come in and step in the in the trap and fall over, and then they could, you know, take care of it at that point. But of course, as right about as it's about to step in, it doesn't. <laughs> they stop like they know, but so it doesn't happen. So they have to improvise, and uh, Cardoon ends up shooting into the the viewports, kind of the windows there, takes it down. And then the Mandalorian finishes it off with a, a thermal detonator and blows it up. And then the Raiders take off and, and head back to their, their base. So they're able to have a victory there. So we think everything's cool. Um, I can't remember, did the the scene where he's about to take... Does he take off his helmet in the, the hut? Or he's about to, but then he doesn't? No, and, and they're actually outside... And she's trying to convince him to stay. Mm-hmm. And and I know that there's a discussion where he's looking at the child, and I can't remember who he's speaking to, but he's kind of resolved that he is going to leave the child there. Yeah. He's like, this, he's, this is a great place for him to grow up. He'll be safe here. No one knows he's here. And he's kind of, he's kind of surmised um, or reconciled that, the best thing for him to do is to is just leave the child there, even though, you know, we know from in the previous episodes, which is kind of surprising because, you know, the Mandalorian, he takes on this, this task of delivering um, the child to a Jedi, right? I mean, when they escape and the blacksmith is like, uh, you need to find a Jedi and deliver this, and he's at this up until this point, he seems like he's committed a hundred percent to whatever he wants to do. He's going to do it. So it's kind of surprising that he's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave the child here. Yeah. Um, because that was kind of like, hey, you know, this is this is what you've got to do. You don't have a choice. I mean, this is the way, right? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of surprising to me when he was just like, oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to like go on with my life and leave the child here. He'll be safe here. I don't have to worry about it. But, but to ask, answer your question specifically, he, he never goes to take his helmet off uh, the widow in the village. She kind of reaches up and, and starts to, and puts both her hands on either side of the helmet and starts to raise it kind of slowly. And I believe that's when we see a shot where it appears a bounty hunter is aiming his the scope right at his head, mm-hmm. um, and then and then move and then it pans over to the child. Yeah, and luckily Cara Dune's there. She's not distracted by the the pretty widow trying to seduce him, take <laughs> off his helmet. She's not distracted by that, and she's out scouting <laughs> or something, and she's able to see the bounty hunter. And she ends up shooting him, and it's the classic. We see him, the gun's raised, we hear a shot, but no, it wasn't the bounty hunter that shot. It was the good guy shooting the bad guy, and then the bounty hunter falls over, dead. Yeah. So then they realize, hey, this is this place isn't going to work out, so um, he's going to leave with the child and head out. And, you know, he – and – 
the chi- or the bounty hunter has one of those tracker devices, yep. right? Yep. And if he has one, then there's probably lots of bounty hunters who are all looking for the child and all have the tracker, yep. which I, I can't remember what they call it. Um, but uh, uh, he realizes that, you know, he's got to constantly be on the move and he's going to be constantly be hounded uh, and the child will never be safe. Yeah. Yeah. So the episode's called sanctuary, the sanctuary, because I think he initially thinks, Oh, this is a safe place. Like you said, but then we realize even if it is, as long as baby Yoda and him are there, then it's not going to be safe and they're endangering the whole village. So, he realizes he needs to leave. So he leaves the planet, the villagers, Cardoon stays there, and they head out. That's the show. So this is, it is kind of hot and cold for me. I, I did like it, but it's at the same time, it's something we've seen plenty of times. A little bit of originality to it, but at the end of the day, not much. So... It was, it's the rewatchability factor I would say is low on this one on a scale of one to 10 is probably a six. I mean, good enough, good to watch. But if I were to rewatch them all right now, I'd probably skip over this one or, you know, wouldn't pay too much attention to it anyway. So any final thoughts on this episode, Blake or, or Nathan? No, no, I think, I think you summed it up. It kind of served its purpose. You know, you got to get from point A to point B and, mm-hmm. And I think that that's probably what, what Favreau was thinking there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think you summed it up about right. Yeah. This episode was good at introducing Cara Dune. I mean, that's how I see it basically. All right. Well, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the credible nerds podcast, the Mandalorian review show. Like I said, this is chapter four, the sanctuary. Or rather, it is just Chapter 4 Sanctuary. And uh, we'll be continuing on. The next episode will be Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. And we get to revisit some classic locations, a classic planet that we've seen before in the Star Wars universe. And we'll talk more about that in our next episode. So definitely join us. uh, Download the next episode and, and check it out. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. See you, everybody. Adios. Hey, Nerd Nation, it's Justin from The Credible Nerds. Thank you for listening to The Credible Nerds podcast and being a member of Nerd Nation. We appreciate it. But we do want to give you a fair warning that the bonus content for this episode contains spoilers from Season 2 of The Mandalorian. So if you have not seen Season 2 yet, you might want to skip this and wait till you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're, you're talking about like, and it, it's interesting because like, uh, so we know that that uh, Fennec Shand, I think it is, right? Yeah. That um, that uh, 
you know, she comes back and, uh, and now she's like, I, I don't know, somebody who was kind of partially responsible for me being caught and almost killed. I don't know if I'd be like forever in their yeah. debt for returning my buddy's coat, you know? Yeah. That part was flimsy. But, uh, it, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do think it, I, I saw a tweet about it. It's a, like somebody said something like, I can't remember exactly what it said. It said, the Mandalorian is just a story about him flying around space, making best friends everywhere. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, that's about right. Like everywhere he goes, he's just got that personality. People love him. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for a little bit of, of the backlash of people to be like, he flies somewhere. He needs a, He needs help. The person he needs help from needs a favor. It says, I'll help you, but only if you help me. Yeah. And the whole episode is, okay, I'm helping you. And then they get what they need at the end. And then he flies to another planet yeah. and says, okay, I'm here for this. And like, oh, I'll give this to you, but I need help. <laughs> you ha-? And I'm like, okay, I'll help you. And it's just like, I'm, I'm waiting for kind of the internet to, to be like, like, okay, enough with the flying from planet to planet to planet and him needing a favor, them saying, okay, I'll help you, but if only you do me a favor. <laughs> so yeah, that's a good point. What did you think of, so we haven't really, so the last few episodes, I mean, like the razor crest got blown up. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of that? I was thinking, Oh yeah, that was rough to see. Cause every time like the sec, no, the third episode. No, the second episode. He crashes on the ice planet, and I'm like, okay, the ship's done. How's he gonna get out of here? But somehow it flies off. Yeah, right. And then he goes to the water planet, and it yeah. falls in the ocean. I was like, okay, it's done. Yeah. But they pull it out, fix it. Yeah, right. He goes to the next planet, and then finally, it just gets blown to smithereens. I was like, okay, well, they're well, not the fixing that. Every... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, every time he like flies off, a piece of it falls yeah. out into space, yeah. right? And it's kind of like it's kind of like with our cars. Something little happens, I don't fix it. Yeah. Another little thing happens, I don't fix it. Another little thing happens, I don't fix it. I finally take it into the shop, and then I totaled the car, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Even even in the first season, the whole thing gets taken apart. Yeah. It gets completely dismantled by the Jawas and it, and he brings up he brings all these parts back on this you know little bar floating trailer barge and i'm like how is that supposed to fly through space at the speed of light yeah. i mean it's like held together with like twine and screws and like and small coke coca cola right? cans and, it, and then yeah. and then after the the after the uh, the one episode when it's like you know after the ice planet and the spice spiders completely destroy it and the, just him crashing it it's sliding across the ice yeah. you know the bottom of that ship yeah and uh i'm like and he's like okay we're gonna we can make it we're close but we won't we'll have to go really slow and you know and we won't have the you know uh only only the the cockpit will be uh pressurized right (laughs) and uh, so he's flying along and like the back doors open and stuff's falling out of it and then i'm like how is that and but yet they show it 
land going through the like you know almost a fireball as it enters the atmosphere and i'm like there's no way i mean the shuttle gets hit with a piece of styrofoam uh taking off and it completely incinerated on re-entry when it came back and all the astronauts died and this thing is supposed to be i mean i i just all right you, you have to take you have to take a, a lot of a lot of salt a teaspoon of salt on some of this stuff but but then what's so funny is he gets it fixed right he turns it over to the mon calamari which are supposed to be like these great ship builders yeah. right that's what they're known for right yeah. and he gets in it and at the end of that scene he like performs these like starfighter x-wing stunt and blows up all these ships in it and he's like you're like where did that come from right um and now and it gets all fixed up and now it's just dust it's just powder on some planet i thought i was just like whoa are you that's insane but now they're flying away and now they're flying around in slave one which is kind of like my wife can't stand the entire time we're watching that episode she's like that ship makes no sense. It's Rochelle like, said the same not thing. It's aerodynamic. She's like, there's no I'm way like, that ship well, can fly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Star Wars. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you been watching this show? <laughs> I'm like, first of all, it's space. There's no aerodynamics in space. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, no, there's no air. There's no air. You don't need something to be aerodynamic in space. But then I was like, my argument went out the window when it was flying around on the planet yeah. above the planet. She's like, that shit makes no sense. The way those guys are sitting and the, and I, I she's like, I don't understand it. I'm like, you know, I'm still confused about the, the rate, the, uh, the laser guns on the millennium Falcon um, <laughs> and how those work because it shows <laughs> when it, it shows luke and han like looking out a window but the guns are like on the roof and on the <laughs> bottom yeah. i mean that but that doesn't even make that doesn't even make sense and i i googled it once and someone someone of uh, the lamest explanation the, the most believable but dumbest explanation was <clears throat> the room they were in was an anti-gravity room or some dumb thing like that <laughs> but i'm like i'm still confused on on the the blasters on the millennium falcon and how those things work Mm -hmm. in relation to where like han and luke and then where finn was sitting and like that doesn't make sense that doesn't work with the way they have the gun on the ship in relation to where they're sitting and when they show the scene uh, like that doesn't compute right Mm -hmm. and there's no window like you said it's star wars Right? right yeah they just make things up when they need it it just that's what well, the f- one of the, i just watched i I've, I've been watching the episodes one through three right and so um i watched like the first two a couple months ago and then the other night i'm like i put on revenge of the sith and it still bugs me to this day that you know r2d2 all of a sudden he's He's got he's got this arm and he's throwing things and he's catching things <laughs> yeah. and he's spewing out oil and then he's he's got these little jets that jet out his arm and he's able to fly around like a jetpack and I'm like 
where did that where did that where did that come from? That sure would have been handy to use in some of the other episodes. Like we just it's like uh, Herbie fully yeah. loaded. It's you like know? well, we got this. How are we gonna solve this problem? Oh, we'll just have we'll just add some jetpacks to R two D two. It's just like whatever. The funniest thing about the razor <laughs> crest that I that kept happening, like it break down and he'd have to fix it, and it'd take like. In in movie time or show time, it'd take like a couple hours. Like with the yeah. Jawas, it's like, well, I got to put it all back together, but it only took one night. We worked all night, <laughs> now it's fixed. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. It takes me like it takes me like six hours to change a light bulb yeah. Yeah. in my car. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get the manual out and everything. Yeah. So and then when yeah, uh, don't put me on the spaceship uh, detail. Yeah. And then when the when he went back to the one planet with Cara Dune in season two, and it was all beat up. I think it was after he, the Mon Calamari fixed it. He went back and he lands like, oh, yeah. I got to get my ship. Can you fix my ship? And then they went on their mission to the Imperial base on somewhere else. And they come back and the ship's like brand new. <laughs> so it was like three hours later, it's all fixed up again. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's just it's it's yeah. just silly some of the stuff. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. Even even Luke's X Wing is like submerged in a swamp. Yeah. Right for days. For like and Yoda years. just lifts it up and out and he just jumps in it and oh, yeah. light speeds it to to wherever. It's just kinda like, oh my gosh. Whatever. Well there's the one in Rise of Skywalker. I can right? understand why where oh yeah Luke raises it out of the water after like 15 years and ray gets in it and just flies away like oh, it works yeah. yeah works great yeah salt water it does is it's perfectly fine it does nothing to metal or all yeah well salt's like a everything's made out right? of uh... oh yeah totally that's right yeah. 